We are Science Fiction Remnant, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. This is Season 1, Episode 6, Movie The Last Starfighter for June 27, 2020. Warning, this episode contains spoilers. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode for Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you so much for coming back. We have another exciting episode for you this week. But before we get started with this episode, remember that if you like this show and know anyone who might like this podcast, please share it. It will greatly help us in growing this channel. You can also follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Remnant, that is S-C-I-F-I-R-E-M-N-A-N-T, and share any comments about this podcast with us. Also, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to take this opportunity to thank all of your listeners who have submitted episode suggestions. We are working on these suggestions to include them in future episodes. So if you don't see your suggestions, don't worry, they're coming soon. We would like to remind you that this episode and all future podcasts may contain spoilers. So please, read or watch the material before listening to this podcast. Unless you don't mind knowing the story before watching the movie or reading the series. Well, this week's movie is, um, it has a very special place in my heart. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen The Last Starfighter, but um, it's about um, this kid who lives in a trailer park where nothing really happens um, except for this unique arcade um, named Starfighter, which is his favorite arcade. So every day, um, this kid, this teenager named Alex Rogan, uh, plays this game, and he gets really good at it, and um, he, he beats the high score. So the game designer comes to pick him up, and reveals that the Stargate, the Starfighter arcade game was technically a training um, simulator, right? Yeah, training simulator developed for recruiting actual pilots to fight in a in a war. As a real Starfighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this this movie, um, I really really love this movie. This this movie actually was released in theaters in July 13, 1984. Uh, it cost a total of $15 million to make, and it made a total of $28, uh, $28 million at the box office. Almost 29 actually, right? Yeah, 28. almost 29 yeah. yeah. Actually, it was a pretty good gain compared to all the movies that, other movies that we have talked, to, talked about in past episodes. Uh, but... I think it was beyond its time, really, for the type of movie and the time that it was made and the concept that it in- in- enclosed on it. It was very good, actually. I mean, like we were talking earlier today, uh, some people would not try to get past the technology that was at the time for special effects. But if you put that aside and you actually concentrate on the concept of, and the storytelling that is going on, it's actually a total trip. <laughs> yeah, and I do agree with you. This movie went past what, you know, it was ahead of its time to the point where 
the the story itself uh was beyond what could be displayed on theaters um the visual effects for this movie was made on a cray xmx computer and you could tell that this movie is around the time like you know the times of like tron mm-hmm. so when you look at the special effects it, it, it looks kind of hokey yeah you know but at the time it was like the best science fiction there was it was pure innovation innovation back then exactly look at it. and i would be really curious to see this movie being remade in today's time oh yeah um i just hope that i mean it would be awesome if they can follow exactly how it is you know although we know that's not, never going to happen because they always want to change something but it will be easier to make it and just concentrate on this the science fiction uh the the special effects on today's would you say would you say that what you would like to be done with the movies kind of what was done with tron when they remake it yeah yeah and because i don't think that actually they exaggerated or changed much of the main story when they remade tron and brought it back up right well they kind of try to follow follow and and that's actually (laughs) like i think someone mentioned in twitter back in uh 2018 that they were going to make uh the the follow-up story to this to um the, the last starfighter and they had a couple of ideas that they wanted to do um one of the stories is they wanted to you know the the, the little the little kid grows up and um becomes a starfighter and alex kind of misses him and it's kind of like the story of then trying to reunite uh, another story. Another story that was pitched was where um, we meet um, Alex's kid. Okay. And he's like a starfighter, uh, but um, you know, and these people that actually were pitching the idea were the the same people that worked on Rogue One, the Star Wars story. Oh wow, interesting. But you know, it's, it was 2018. It is 2020 now. They haven't been worried about it. <laughs> no word. No. And I remember when they announced it, I was really excited. Ah, I'm sure you were pumped about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite, favorite, uh, favorite movies. But, but I, I mean, I'm going to give you an observation. The good thing about the story that is uh, given in this movie is that it leaves a lot of potential for uh, more to come. Because, again, you mentioned the kid and he kind of goes to the machine right after the brother leaves. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at the takeoff, but you could think of that like he he's, he looks at the machine like he wants to play now to train himself on it because he learned what the machine was, which was something funny when uh what was his name uh the name of the guy that picks him on picks uh, him up Centauri Centauri mm-hmm. when Centauri picks him up he says even that this machine was not even supposed to go to that tumbleweed forgotten town it was supposed to go yeah, to las vegas yeah, yeah. which is kind of hilarious uh, it says fate you yeah know, we were never met if this there was a mistake and mm-hmm. it, it kind of like it, it's a very profound when you consider that in the movie he becomes the last star starfighter so that means if that was never delivered to that town um they would have lost the war yeah they would have been gone but there's another thing too they have they have a whole uh, armed force of starfighters, and for them to have that and need it, that means that the I think it's the Sir was the the, the name of Zer, the yeah yeah mm-hmm. the name of the enemy clan, uh, which was the son of the commander 
uh, and Rilo. Uh, basically, uh, it leaves you wondering, okay, so these are not the only enemies that they have intergalactically speaking. Yeah. So it leaves more material to be created for future uh, movies or sequels. I, I'm, I, I even go a little farther than that. I mean, I think they could even make a show out of they this. Could. They could. They could ex- expand into the movie. Uh, it's, it's very, very easy to expand into and make what we see in the ending, maybe the end of the show. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot could happen in between. Yeah. You know, maybe he was training, you know, it, 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 so many things. There's a lot. There's a lot. And did you know the uh, Centaurus car? The one we were talking yeah. about, it's like, well, that looks very familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that car, the, it was based on the DeLorean. Yeah. I thought I thought out backwards, but I did not realize also that the DeLorean was first. But like, I, I looked at the car, I was like, okay, I've seen this car before. He looks very familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't look exactly the same. Like the yeah. back of the car looks more like a, like a wagon compared yeah. to the DeLorean. But when you look at the car from the front... Yeah. They they look like they are models from different years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they actually model. I wouldn't be surprised that you know it was a mock up they did on, but even the front, they it's all altered, and yeah. you could tell by you know how the, the the doors open, you know, up. And I mean that was completely badass and futuristic back then. You having like suicide doors. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's why the DeLorean has such a big impact and how everybody wanted to have one when if it was first released in the 80s mm-hmm. i don't know where i saw online but i saw a post of like a factory that actually was producing the loreans for sale <laughs> yeah they, they are as a matter of fact they're still producing which is something really odd for a car maker um you could actually get most people get a muse uh, 84 model 84 and 85 deloreans okay um but if you get them new and and I would have to go to the site, but the last time I checked, you could get them new. Yeah. It's new from 84 and 85. Oh, wow. So there's no 2020. They, they would make it new for you for from parts but of the model in 84, 85. Got it. So, I mean, even though it's made in this year, it's made... For the concept of that vehicle, it's not like it's going to look like a Tesla or something like that. Like it, It's going to have what the DeLorean had back in the time, yeah. even though it's made now. Yeah, yeah. That's nice because it keeps the originality too of the vehicle and the concept that it comes with it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they, they're trying to, and as a matter of fact, they, they were trying to, um, I saw before where they were, they were going to release the new, you know, DeLorean. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I don't know. It, I just never heard back. I mean, when I went to the website I, a couple of years back, they said, you know, something coming soon. But I never heard anything being released it would leave me wondering i mean i would think that the best idea to come up with a new version of the delorean mm-hmm. would be that they will probably do a new movie of uh, back to the future where they're gonna introduce this new delorean yeah, yeah. you know if, it, if they just do the, the new delorean vehicle and there's not like a new movie or something probably it's not gonna have such a strength in the market neither i think yeah because people are gonna stay loyal to what the DeLorean is anyways. They're going to be like, eh. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, and I think that's why they're, I mean, not like they're having success, but they're still in business for a reason. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. And I mean, honestly, the Back to the Future series uh, of movies, uh, I would say it has been instrumental in the success of science fiction in the film 
uh, mm-hmm. business. It's been one of the greatest hit hits. Uh, it's it's a classic. I mean, if you don't know Back to the Future, uh, yeah. it's it's odd, really. I haven't met somebody, even people that don't watch science fiction, they've watched Back to the Future. Yeah, and and you know the the funny thing is what happened to Back to the Future actually um, kind of happened in the Last Starfighter when they were producing the movie. With their you know creating and filming um, they did not know that it would have the success that at the box office that it actually did when they filmed uh, the last starfighter they had ideas where um they were actually creating figures like you oh. can find you can find uh, alex on on like like um trailer park outfits and, oh and starfighter <laughs> outfits and uh, you can like find little G.I. Joe figures and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, you can get Grid, nice. you can get the Starfighter uh, ship. Um, but they didn't think it would have the success that it did at the time that they were talking about this. So they scrapped the idea. Oh. By the time the movie released and was the success that it was, it was already too late. Yeah. So that's why we don't see it. But, you know, it kind of like what happened with, with, um, uh, with Back to the Future. But they thought, oh, you know, it's going to be good. Or we hope it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But they never expected it to be the success that it was. Yeah. I mean, going back to the movie, I found pretty... I think that the movie had a good uh, portion of comedy, too. Uh, the reaction of Alex when he was being taken away, for example. Like, he got all the way there to Rylos. And then he's like, I don't want to be here, man. I don't want to die. This was a game. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna kill me for real and then basically uh they're like no don't be, don't feel like that you're not gonna die and then they just got an interception from the shirt emperor <laughs> basically showing somebody dying so painfully <laughs> yeah. that next thing he's just getting on his right back to earth <laughs> he's like well if he wasn't sure he didn't want to do it I mean, he's sure he's definitely sure for now <laughs> you're taking me back yeah but you know it, it's it's kind of brings me and i think see when i saw the movie um i was around 15 and i i'm very familiar with arcades so why i said <clears throat> at the beginning of the show that this has a very special place in my heart is because as a gamer i think if you're a gamer it doesn't matter um you know how old the movie is or the kind of uh, special effects that it mm-hmm. has because it is hokey, but as a gamer, I think this movie is it it is fantastic. It's great because you like how many times have we have you been on an arcade and you're being playing and and you're wondering, you know, what if you know it would be kind of cool if this is actually a training uh, module and someone comes and picks me up for something greater than you know. Honestly, I had that feeling myself with many <laughs> games that I play, like. You just wish they were for real. <laughs> like, it's just a dream come true to the fan of a specific game, you know? Uh, and, I mean, there's many games uh, like that. Uh, me, myself, I, I had games like this in my Super Nintendo back in 95 that they just look exactly like the arcade game for Starfighter. And and you know that the screenwriter for the movie, Jonathan um, Bitwell, he actually came up with the idea for the movie when he actually wandered into a video game um, arcade st- uh, place and he saw this young kid playing a video game. And he he kind of had this idea where, you know, what is... It's kind of like um, 
you know, King Arthur, mm-hmm. when he pulls the sword, this, he's I, if no one was able to pull it, and he's the one who pulls it, and he becomes the king. Yeah. So it, it's kind of like the same. If you think about it, it's kind of like the same idea. You know, everybody in this town, ta- well, not the town, because remember, this video game has gone all over the planet. Centaur, uh, Centauri send these games everywhere. Yeah. It just so happened that this particular game was supposed to be in Las Vegas, and it happened to be in, you know, in nowhere T- Tumbleweed, forgotten exactly. trailer park. <laughs> so it's kind of like the same thing, but everybody in the world has actually played this game, and only Alex was, was, was the one who, who, who was able to beat it. Yeah. And now he became the savior, yeah. uh, not only of the frontier and Rylos, but Earth as well. Yeah, and, and something I really like about Centauri's personality is that he's literally bringing the hero to the base in Rylos. But his interest, if you think about it, at the beginning of the movie was not really to bring the hero. It's because he's getting paid for this. Yeah. Uh, so basically, he just have uh, a monetary interest in bringing this kid and keeping him there. And, at, and, and as the movie goes on, you see how Centauri's interest do evolve into something more noble uh, and more mm-hmm. intricated to the cause of having him there for the safety of the galaxy and even Earth. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of like, you know, when he when you said that he wanted to get home and, and Centauri took him back and he gave him this little chip um, for, for him to, like, if you change your mind, you can just tap it and I'll come back. Um, he... he he encounters in the town the, the 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 reality that they found he's a starfighter and he's never going to be safe on earth mm-hmm. they're they're sending these assassins after him yeah so he, he he has the beta unit which is actually a a thing that benefits him because, and I don't know if you know, better unit is, is kind of like a robot that takes, takes the appearance, not necessarily only the appearance, but it's supposed to act like, like you. Person. Yeah. Exactly like a person. So when he got into town and discovers this and he almost, he almost got killed in the process, he decided, well, you know, kind of like the beta unit told him, at least over there you have a starfighter in your control. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful machine. Here, what you do you have? You anything. Not, not yeah. even those special guns that they had from space. Yeah, exactly. So he decided to go back. Another interesting thing is, you remember when he first got into Rylos, when he, you know, everybody was talking the strange language. Yes. And then they put this little thing um like a translator device right yeah like a microchip translator device do you know that little thing was actually the inside of a watch oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and you don't think about these things because you're watching this sci-fi movie and so like they put in this thing with microchip looking thing and oh this is actually really cool (laughs) all round and stuff and it's actually the inside of a watch and it's, that's actually pretty curious because I don't know if you remember, I told you to, just now we're coming with devices of the sort that can translate uh, le- uh, languages in here in the planet Earth. And they had this concept already back in the day and they kind of brought it to our reality inside the movie. 
And I'm sure that that's something that we humans will want for the rest of the time. And probably if we ever get to meet some extraterrestrial beings, yeah, it's yeah. probably the way that we're going to go in order to be able to communicate with them. Well, you just think about it. Now, the, the world has become a very close place uh, because of the Internet. Prior to the Internet, you would never know what happens in other countries. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so nowadays, everybody, it, it kind of like becomes a closer family. Everyone in the world knows what everyone in the world's doing yeah. and what's happening and what's going on because of that unity that the internet brought us, you know, brought together. This podcast can be enjoyed in, you know, another country where maybe the, 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 the language is not English. Yeah. And they can, you know, maybe that person is learning English and they can enjoy something. This is something that was unprecedented prior to the Internet. You know, absolutely. So having a device that they can translate will bring that divide even closer. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, it's going to break the the barriers of language in between cultures. And that that can make a big difference. I mean, I think that that's something that has kept many societies not really blending in together. It's the barrier of language. And if you're able to remove that, Mm -hmm. uh, by all means, that's going to mean a big change in society. And many companies are doing... I can give you you two examples. They're trying to do um, things to bring that divide even closer, although it's not a perfect solution. Skype, for example, has a mode where you can turn it on and it will actually translate the between two languages. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. And uh, there was a pro- I remember when the project was released um, and it was a big thing. Now, Google, if you have uh, Google, any of the Google pods yeah. that you can buy, you can actually take, you know, say, hey, Google. Uh, translate i can't remember what the command is um or help me with a conversation between spanish and english Mm -hmm. and it's a little weird because you have to say the you know your sentence you gotta wait for the device to say it in the language that you chose and then the other person hears it responds to that and then you have to wait for that device to translate what the other person said oh wow and it's 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 kind of cool, but and it's never a perfect solution. Because how many times have you translated something in Google Translate that is completely something know? else that is not what you're meaning to say? Yeah, I mean that happens too. Uh, again, it comes to cultural interpretation too. That's a thing. Idioms can be a bit complicated when you go interculturally uh, to apply them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because whatever I'm trying to tell you in English probably has to be said in a whole different way if I'm going to say it in Chinese, Japanese, or Russian, or German. Yeah. So, I mean, th- these are intricacies that probably there's not algorithm or programs yet that get to depict it. Yeah. Cause, mm-hmm. And I mean, again, with the technology and AIs, is something that eventually we're going to overcome, but it's not yet. Uh, achieved yeah this this um another thing that i find fascinating about this movie is this movie was actually filmed um in 40 days oh wow i didn't know that (laughs) and i I was thinking about that it's like it kind of like makes sense because if you think about 
most of the parts that take place in the movie, they're actually um, special effects. Yeah. Or oh, the same place, which is the trailer park. Exactly. Actually, so, there's no other place in the movie on Earth that isn't the trailer park. Yeah. You have in between a set and and the trailer park. But, you know, it, it kind of makes sense if you have a team dedicated to this. Because that's another thing, too. Many of these movies that take uh, the uh, special effects, mm -hmm. like ILM, you know, people that do like for Star Wars, they do take a lot of time to 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 create that effect. Um, but these are composite effects made on a single computer. So I'm assuming that back in the day, number oh, obviously we don't have we didn't have ILM, so they have the group of people working on that computer, and maybe that helped in you know creating the entire movie in 40 days yeah and i mean something that i did notice which i commented to you is like when you look at the scenes that i take taken at night time mm -hmm. uh, in the trailer park you can notice that the sky is not the real sky mm -hmm. that and i mean honestly because of the technology back in the day in the day of cameras i mean only like even today if you have a good camera which i don't think they have uh 24 megapixel camera back then <laughs> yeah, uh, even yeah. even though in the film uh market uh so you wouldn't be able to really catch a good sky with it at nighttime and yeah. in mo nonetheless if it's a dark dark sky uh so basically you can notice that that this is probably film inside of a giant hangar where they're able to put a dark veil to kind of mimic what the sky will look like so like when, when you're watching the movie actually i observed that you can see that probably the whole trailer park is in an enclosed area where they can actually mimic the nighttime yeah in order to do this yeah yeah you know what i i found interesting as well about this movie this movie was released in 84 the the movie was released on VHS in 1998. Oh, man. And, and in DVD in 1999. 1999. So there's a big gap of when the movie actually makes it outside to the media after the actual release of it. Yeah, I, I don't know why it took so long to get that movie out. And you can look at those like dormant stages of the movie because... Really, when a movie gets out of the theater, the way that it's live as a product mm -hmm. goes on, it's by making it into, at that time, VHS, in our times, DVDs, or mm -hmm. theaterly, where you can buy it. Uh, so, I mean, it, it leaves you wondering if the movie actually will have gone out on VHS at the time, right after, how much success it might have had. Well, I wonder if that was on purpose. Like, I always wonder, like, you know, did the movie have, uh, or the, the, the company who has the movie uh, were able to just, you know, re-release it to the theaters mm -hmm. and then just capitalize on, like, movie tickets for a long time prior to bringing Because the first thing that came out out of this movie was a VHS in 1998. So it makes me wonder is if from like 94 to 98, they were able to like, you know, bring it back to the theaters and then you capitalize on that until they were able to bring it out to on VHS. I wouldn't be able to tell you I was not born until a year after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I always wonder about that because it, it seems like such a huge gap. 
And when yeah. people get to see the movie after that, you know, technology has changed so much. Yes. And the movie becomes like, you know, it looks faded. obsolete. Exactly. Again, that's one thing I observe. Like for you to be able to enjoy an older movie where special effects is such a big part mm -hmm. of the of the whole movie, uh, you need to get past the technology that it was used at the time. And like, just like you said, when in such a business where ever ever evolving technology, uh, you have new advances every single year, sometimes many within one year. Uh, it can leave an older movie that takes special effects looking obsolete if you're gonna compare it to. But then again, I made an observation that I stand by, which is you cannot really look at things like that because you gotta look also at the roots of where things come from. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So I think that the movie deserves much appreciation for how it was made. Uh, I mean, I think even even today's quality of special effects, I look back in the movie and I don't let that really blur my judgment of how well this movie was made Yeah, for the yep. time that it was made on. Yeah, It might not have, you know, it might not be up to par to the quality of like, you know, big blockbusters, sci-fi movies nowadays, but um, considering where when it was made, um, it, it's pretty well made yeah. and you know I, I do i don't i don't know i think the fact that the movie has this the special effect quality that you see on a movie now it it, it, it makes a certain amount of wholesomeness yeah. to the movie and i mean to make a comparison on special effects or anything of the sort if you want to uh basically the special effects that they use in this movie back in 1984 and again, something that I observed, this movie probably was written before 94. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the concept of it is, is even older. God knows how older. It was written in a, in a taxi. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the initial draft was in a, in a taxi. Oh, my God. This guy walked into this arcade. So this little kid, he had the idea, you know, kind of mixing this arcade with um, the King Arthur. And when he got into the taxi, he started writing the draft. Oh, my God. It would be <laughs> funny to see, like, the original writings of it in an old journal or even in, like, a paper pad that you use in your office. <laughs> but basically what I was going to say is, like, even games uh, in 95 didn't have effects like this movie had. And, I mean, you, you can compare, really, nowadays what a game's look against a movie because I'm noticing that games are getting so and so good at how real they look that I wonder if from here a couple of decades actually games are going to look more real than life. <laughs> well, Atari, uh, the company Atari was really involved into this movie and they had a prototype um, of the game. Um, they could not bring this concept, you know, like the polygon that they showed in the movie. They couldn't, with the technology back then, it could not be done. But they were working on it, and they they were trying to bring something out. They actually um, programmed what it was kind of like their version of of the of Star the last Starfighter for Atari twenty six hundred. What was, year was that? It was um, the eighties. You know, eighty. Okay. I want to say eighty five, eighty six. Okay. Yeah, the thing I have to look it up when it was released but the game got revamped into solaris and it was released oh. um for atari 2600 but um they they couldn't it was nothing like the you know what they could should have shown for 
you know what it the was done film. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because polygons at that time wasn't wasn't a technology that was available for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be done for the movies with big computers, but um, game systems like the Atari Twenty Six Hundred at the time did not have that power to create those types of uh, graphics. That's very true, and I I do remember watching in. A documentary about video games. I think I watched it on Netflix, but it shows you when video games initially were created, which I believe was late 60s, mm-hmm. uh, which were pretty simple concepts like that thing that looks like a ping pong, uh, or it, it will be like a Galactica Fight where you have your little ship and you're shooting your ship all across the, the screen on the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I learned this and I found it fascinating that. Even though video games were something so innovative for entertainment back in the day, it stayed like that for a couple of decades before actually started evolving into something more advanced and more different in its concept. Mm -hmm. And I think that until actually early 90s, you didn't have a great evolution into that. And only back into the end of the 90s, you start seeing an actual uh, critical evolution in what video games were before to what they are becoming today. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now we have now, you know, Oculus Rift, uh, oh, yeah. PlayStation VR, and before long, we might have um, AR into our phones. Or into our brains. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this, this movie was, was great. I mean, we have uh, your, your, your typical sci-fi kid goes out. He is triumphant against evil, comes back home. Um, and he comes back home to, to basically say goodbye. And, and pick up his girl. And pick up his girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I, th- I think that the movie uh, was very, very well made. The whole story was well placed within the movie. Um, I Again, like they... They cut short some things like his training and things like that, so he kind of had to learn on the run. Like he was literally learning how to uh, navigate the fighting system of the starfighter ship uh, right before arriving into the frontier. <laughs> and, and that's my point. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you could actually easily grab this this movie and make make it a TV series. You can even develop in how the son of the commander of the Rylos planet turned out to be the Emperor of Zerg. As mm-hmm. a bad guy, mm-hmm. and even develop um, some background stories on the origins of these races that they present there, so, which stays as a total mystery throughout the whole movie. They never develop about what's the origin of this planet where he goes to call Rylos or all these other alien forms that are visiting to be starfighters too that are from other races as well. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of rich detail that was not developed throughout the movie. Again, of course, due to the length of what a movie has to be, mm-hmm. and they didn't make any more sequels about it. Yeah, yeah. Another, you know, one thing that I, go, going back to, like, the, the actors of the movie, um, Robert Preston, the person who played Centauri. Centauri, yeah. Um, he was around 64 at the time, and um, he was a heavy smoker, so... Everybody, I, I read from everybody um, that was filming with him that it was actually very nice to be, and it was an amazing experience to film with him. Apparently, he was a really nice person. Um, but they did say that he looked 
older than his age. years. Yeah. And um, he actually turned out to die out of lung, you know, lung cancer. This is actually his last movie. appearance on a movie. Oh, wow. And, and so is, um, remember the older gentleman in the trailer park? He's um, helping... Um, He's like the manager of the coffee shop, or the no, machines? no. He was at the. Um, um, he was um, helping. Actually, <laughs> um, the beta unit was helping him put the antenna. Yeah, he's the guy actually that owns the coffee shop in the film. Oh, he was, okay. Yeah, he is. Yeah. That was also his last film. Oh wow! I, I, and, and and I think that this gentleman probably was older than than Robert. Uh, uh, looked, yeah, it looked like he was. His but name then, is then again, Washington. It, it makes a lot of sense because he he did look older than you. You say he was in his sixties. Oh well, uh, Robert Preston. Robert Preston. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said that he was in his sixties, right? And sixty four. Sixty four. Yeah. The 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 old man that is the owner of the shop, the coffee shop in the trailer park. He looks older, but then again, he's he doesn't have white hair. Yeah. And in in his composter, he does look younger, health wise speaking, than Preston. Yeah, yeah, it, it, he he did. Well, you know, I have a question because, you know, maybe they both look. Because remember, we're looking at his characters. Yeah. So I mean, would it be? Part would he the... look older because that was his character? Or you know, I, that's a question that I would have to research. Or maybe, about. or maybe he didn't look actually older because of makeup, that, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I don't know. It's all I all I'm I'm wishing is that the rumors that we hear in Twitter um, were true. Um, the this the screenplay was submitted, and and this is. It was told on Twitter in 20, 2018. Mm-hmm. The screenplay was submitted by Gary Buda, and um, he wanted to reboot. And um, Matt Alsop contributed the, the concept artwork for the movie. And those are the two people, when you look them up, those are the two people that worked on Rogue One. The movie was released in 2016. Nice. So, I don't know. I just hope <laughs> that <laughs> they come up with, you know, they, they, even if it's not a reboot, you know. Maybe a re- sequel or a something. A sequel, continuation, something. The story was great. I think uh, it has a lot more to tell. I agree with you. I it, agree with you. It couldn't just be, you know, left at there. Like, you know, what we see at the end, he, Alex takes his girlfriend back to Rilo's. And... We're left wanting More. to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and he was, he actually saved multiple planets. Um, By destroying the Zerg uh, yeah. uh, Legion. Including Earth, but, you know, Earth didn't know about the war. These other planets were multiple planets. So mm-hmm. he is the savior. He's, um, you know, an important figure in this society. And it, it would have been nice to be able to see. What happens after that? Yeah, it would have been, and I mean, uh, an exciting element that they add into the movie is that he was supposed to be with a full crew of starfighters, and it ended up being him against the whole armada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that just made it more exciting. That's another thing too. When he, when the, uh, I think it was a president or a king of Rylos, and he approached him and he says, "Look, you know, uh, Alex, 
it would have been it would be fantastic if you stay behind in Rylos to um, remake remake yeah the star the starfighters and that would have been awesome to see him as because he would become kind of like a like a commander a, the, the, the a teacher mean, and, yeah the mentor of all the starfighters that are coming because there's no more starfighters beside him so uh, who's gonna teach actually these skills yeah to them and I can see in him the um what the proposed ideas for the reboot where you know we see alex's uh young brother um he becomes a starfighter under him being trained under alex mm -hmm. um but yeah you know that's 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 my point i i, I wish we could see more of this story um I am definitely left wanting a lot more. I wanted to see more on this movie. That's how good is a movie. Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> so, you know, it, we want to hear from you guys. You know, as I'm a gamer. I am a gamer I'm, too. <laughs> I'm, so, you know, as a gamer, did, did you wish that Centauri had come to recruit you? You know, after you watch this movie? and. Um, what do you think about this movie? I mean, do you agree with our opinions? What you know, we think, you know, about the movie. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Uh, I mean, I think that is uh, a must-watch for sci-fi lovers for sure. Uh, I never watched it or even heard about it before, and I, I mean, it just kept me hooked throughout the whole movie. I think that anybody should enjoy this movie. I mean, once you watch it, let us know. Do you wish that something like this will be real? Even in your own adaptation of a game or a movie that you like, how would you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, do you think, and again, we were touching on this topic on the podcast and, and knowing full well that it's fantasy, but, you know, you, you almost want to wish that, that this was real somewhere and just hidden from our view. Yeah. You know? Um, if, I mean, if, did you wish that you were recruited? And, and, and if, if not for this particular game, the Starfighter game, uh, was displayed in the movie, I mean, what game would you say that you played that you wish you would be recruited for? Yeah. I mean, let us know, guys. I mean, this could be, Put it in your in the suggestions for us. This could even be a, a good idea if you like us to do an episode about it on the future for sure. Awesome. Well, this is the end of our show for now. Do let us know if you liked this episode and if you have any ideas about which topics you would like us to discuss in the next episode. And remember, you can follow us on Twitter at S-C-I-F-I-R-E-M-N-A-N-T, Sci-Fi Retinant. And if you like this podcast, share it and rate us on Apple Podcasts. This will help us grow. Thank, Thank you. you. Until next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.